Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayeshev. Parshas Vayeshev is one of those parshios that doesn't get easier from year to year. The big problem is how tzaddikim sell their brother. Um, and given that, Emir Tzashem, this coming Sunday night, we begin the Yom Tov of Hanukkah. I'd like to uh, combine the parsha and Hanukkah, and um, I guess let's begin with the parsha. Okay, um, as we mentioned, you have in this parsha the sale of Yosef. Let's just take a step or two back to appreciate what's going on. If you go back to Parshas Lech Lecha in chapter. Tesvav 15, Pasuk Yud Gimel, Hashem says to Avraham, Yodoa Teida, you shall surely know, meaning this is non-negotiable, Ki that your children are going to be strangers in a land which is not theirs, and Va'avodum, they are going to be made into... Um, Slaves and ve'inoi osam, they're going to be bodily afflicted, tortured, for arba meos shana, for four hundred years, and then they're going to come back to the land of Israel. This had to happen. Without going into this too much, maybe it had to happen in order for us to be able to receive the Torah, in order for us to go from one master with a small M, namely a cruel one, Paro, to a loving master, namely Hashem Yisbarach. But it had to happen. How was it to happen? How was it that the Jewish people would come down to uh, Mitzrayim? So this, we see, is... Rabos Machshavos Blevish, many are the designs of man, Vatsas Hashem Hisokum. But ultimately, it is the will of God that prevails. And so we have Hashem directing history and bringing about that when the Jewish people will come down to Egypt. Yosef, as we're going to read next week, is going to be the viceroy. He's going to be the one who will provide for the family. The family will stay together. They'll have their own community. And so the process and the destiny of Jewish history begins in Parshas Vayeshev. I'd like to point out that in Parshas Vayeshev you have what I like to call divine winks. What does that mean? It means that you can see the Hashkocha Pratis, the divine providence, that Yosef, unfortunately, is sold by his brothers. And the Torah tells us what the caravan that was taking Yosef down to Egypt was carrying. And this is in chapter 37, Pasuk 25. 
Ugmalehem nosim, and their camels were laden with nechos utsri volot, various kinds of spices which had pleasant aroma, as opposed to the usual kind of materials that were usually brought down, namely neft, itron, rechon ra, that which tar, and other materials that had a foul odor. Why, says Rashi, quoting the Medrash, v'lozeh, namely for Yosef, nizdamnu b'samim, Spices, Shloyuzak Meireach Ra, that he shouldn't be affected by the bad odor. Now I ask you, Yosef has just been sold. He's been ripped apart from his father, from his family, from his culture, going to a strange land, strange everything. And do you think that at that time Yosef noticed, oh my goodness, there are spices here, as opposed to foul-smelling tar? Probably not. You're right. However, later on, Yosef is going to look back at this moment and reflect and realize, ooh, something special happened for him. And later on, when Yosef becomes the CEO, the head of the gentleman who purchases Yosef. He works for Potiphar. And very simply, he becomes very quickly trusted, the CEO. He goes from literally what's called rags to riches the first time. And he, we know that the master's wife tries to seduce him. When he refuses, she turns the table on him, says to her husband that he tried to make advances to her. And here comes the next divine wink. The Torah tells us that in chapter 39, Pasuk 20, that Yosef is put in jail. What jail? Does it make a difference? Yes. He's put in the jail of Mekom Asher Asire HaMelech Asurim, the place that the officers, officials who work for the king, when they are incarcerated, Yosef was put <coughs> into that jail. And the Ramban on this verse picks it up and says, wait a second, why was he put in that jail, there were jails for different offenders, for thieves, for sex offenders. Why was he put in a jail that was for the servants of the king? Clearly, he suggests that this was done because his master favored him, liked him. He had to put him in jail because of his wife's accusation. But says the Ramban, It's a divine wink that 
in jail. Who was he with? People who could teach him the ins and outs of the government. Who was he with? The opportunity to interpret the dreams, which he does at the end of the parasha, enabling him next week to interpret Paro's dreams and once again go from rags to riches. This is the parsha of Vayeshev, which has the divine winks. What is Hanukkah? Hanukkah is a divine wink to the Jewish people. The Gemara in Shabbos 21b tells us in answering the question of my Hanukkah, and interestingly, it is there that the Gemara only talks about the miracle of the Pach Hashemen. And I quote that beginning on the 25th day of Kislev, there are eight days of Hanukkah on which it is forbidden to eulogize or to fast. When the Greeks entered the sanctuary of the temple, they defiled all the oil in the sanctuary. When the Hashmonoyim dynasty proved victorious, they discovered but one undisturbed jug of oil with the seal of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, but there was enough oil to burn for only one day. A miracle occurred, and they kindled with it for eight days. The following year, they established these eight days and made them a festival for praise and thanksgiving. There's so much to say, but let me just focus for a moment on one phrase, whereby we're told, Vetimu kol hashmanim. The Greeks defiled all the oil. Isn't that strange? They had control over the Beis Hamikdash. Unlike the Babylonians before them, unlike the Romans after them, that when they had control over the Beis Hamikdash, they destroyed it, the Greeks defiled it. What does that mean, defiled it? The Greeks were intelligent people. They prided themselves of their wisdom. They prided themselves with Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, and they were very happy to live with the Jews, who were also bright people that respected wisdom. But one thing troubled the Greeks, and that is the following. To them, wisdom, knowledge, was only that which could be understood by man. If man cannot understand it, that is not knowledge. Man is the ultimate decider as to what is and what is not knowledge. They believed in Seichel Enushi, the intellect of man. They did not accept Seichel Eloka, a higher form of knowledge which emanates from God himself. So the whole concept of Tumor and Tara, purity and impurity, is not based upon something logical. It makes no sense that someone who will wash 
and dress a dead body, which is a big mitzvah, which the Hebra Kadisha does, that after that they become Tomei, impure. And the only way you're going to remove that impurity is with the ash and the water of the Pora Aduma. This they could not accept. And so, what do we find? That instead of destroying the Beis Migdosh, they defile the Beis Migdosh. They intentionally went after, and knowing that they were impure, they intentionally went and made all the oil impure because they were against the whole idea of purity, impurity, etc., which could not be understood by man and his intelligence. And so, listen carefully, my friends. We didn't have pure oil. There is a concept in Jewish law that says that when the majority of the Jewish people are in a state of impurity, then tuma, hutra, bitzibur. Then the laws of impurity are overridden and dismissed by the majority of the community that are in a state of impurity. If 51% or more of the Jewish people are impure, Tomei, the laws do not apply. We learn this from Pesach Sheni. Therefore, we could have used impure oil. We didn't need the pure oil. But the Bach teaches us that we lost the Beis Migdosh because we did not show true devotion to the Beis Migdosh. We had a laxical, physical attitude towards it. Take it, leave it, not important. If you don't value it, you lose it. So we lost it. We showed that we wanted it back, and we didn't want it back with, quote, second best. We only wanted it back in the best way possible, so we weren't satisfied using that impure oil, tome oil, and therefore, as we kept on looking and looking and looking, Hashem therefore gave us, at the time of Hanukkah, that divine wink, the wink which showed the Jewish people that He was once again with us and that we was favoring our return to the base of Migdash. Now, I have to tell you, the Maharal writes a very important idea which we should know, and that is that our winning of the war, as we say in the Al Hanisim, which is added in the Shmona Esrei and in the Birkas Amazon, was Sarta. We say that at such a time, Hashem gave over Giborim Biad Chaloshim. He gave over the strong into the hands of the weak. Rabim Biad Ma'atim, the many into the hands of the few. And I mean many, and I mean few. There were really very few Hashmonoyim. There was no question that in a natural way 
we could not win. Our victory was supernatural. Tmeim biatahorim, the impure into the hands of the pure, Rishoyim biat sadikim, the wicked into the hands of the righteous, and Zaydim biaroske sorasecha, the malicious into the hands of the diligent students of your Torah. Now, the idea is that our military victory, which was an incredible miracle, Alanisim, which we say regarding the miracles in the plural, people could always rationalize. We had greater dedication, we were more intelligent. Therefore, the Maral writes that Hashem gave us the miracle of the oil, which was hands down, very clearly supernatural, to teach us that just as this miracle was supernatural, so too was the miracle of the military victory. But the best proof that this is so is that we know that women should be exempt from Ner It's a positive mitzvah governed by time. You can only light it these seven, I'm sorry, these eight nights of Hanukkah. Why are they obligated? The Talmud says, They too were included in the miracle. Now what does that mean? They were included in the miracle of the oil burning in the base of Mikdash? Of course not. They were included in the miracle of Hanukkah, of the spiritual survival of the Jewish people. What does that mean? It means that unlike Purim, whereby on Purim, if a Jew made no difference, he was observant, he was not observant. He kept Shabbat, he didn't keep Shabbos. He kept kosher, he circumcised, it made no difference. You were Jewish, like the Germans, Yemach Shemam. You were subject to, unfortunately, die at Purim time. Hanukkah, if a Jew said, I will not circumcise, I will not keep Shabbos, I will not, I will not, I will not, they were not molested. And so, women too, their spiritual life was threatened, therefore they celebrate, as well as the other opinion says that women are included because Yehudis, the daughter of Yochanan Kohen Godol, she was the one who decapitated the governor because they had that extremely immoral law that a bride had to go to the governor before her marriage. She went, decapitated him, and that began the military victory. And so on Hanukkah we celebrate Al Hanisim, these two miracles, the miracle of the victory, the miracle of the oil. I just want to review very quickly and say that both men, women, children, children who have reached the age of Chinuch education are required to light Hanukkah candles. On the first night, one candle is lit, and on each successive night, another is added, until on the eighth night, eight candles are lit. Our custom is that each male member of the household lights. Okay? The Svardim have a different custom, one menorah per household. Ashkenazim have each male lights, and in some 
Ashkenazic homes, girls do light as well. Married women satisfy their obligation with their husband. The menorah is filled with either oil or candles, and since the miracle happened with oil, oil is preferable. The menorah is filled with oil or candles from with the menorah facing you. The right hand side of the person facing the menorah, you fill the menorah from right to left, and you light the candles oil from left to right. The menorah should be placed in uh, a window where it can be seen by as many people as possible. If your apartment or face is only the back and no one is going to see it there, then place it in the apartment in the house where uh, members of the household will get to see it. One is not permitted to get benefit from the light of the menorah during the time of the mitzvah. Now what does that mean, during the time of the mitzvah? The ideal time to light the menorah is from Tzeis HaKol Chavim, which is approximately a half an hour after sunset, which is approximately five o'clock in the New York area. That is the ideal time to light, and when one lights, the candle's oil should be able to go minimally a half an hour. After that half an hour, you can blow them out if you have to leave the home. But there has to be enough fuel for it to go for that half an hour. You can light throughout the night, and especially nowadays, that if you are in a place where there are cars, people out of doors that can see it even at a later time during the night, you can light even late. You shouldn't wait, but if you have to, you can light and even later. And if there is going to be somebody up in the home, it is you can light even later. Now, ideally, somebody should be awake with you when you light. According to the Mishnah Brewer, you would even wake somebody to light. Others say that you can um, make the bracha or brachos uh, even if you are lighting it by yourself. The earliest you could light would be Plaga Mincha, approximately 3.30-3.35 in the New York metropolitan area at this time. But if you are lighting that early, you can't light before that. If you were lighting that early, there would have to be enough candle oil so that it could burn once again till 5. 5 would be the time to light, and then till 5.30. So in that case there, at least 2 hours. We'll talk about Shabbos Hanukkah, please God, next week. If one lit the menorah and... The menorah went out, uh, somebody blew it out, somebody opened the door by mistake, etc. One need not relight the menorah. Ideally, one could and should because they are um, a form of persume nisa. We are publicizing the miracle 
to quote unquote ourselves, our family, and to the out of doors. Sunday night, Emir Hashem, before we light the menorah, we recite three blessings Lahadlik Neir, Bracha of the Mitzvah of lighting the menorah. The uh, Sephardim do not say shell. Lahadlik Neir Hanukkah, Ashkenazim say shell. The second um, Bracha is Sha'osa Nisim Labuseinu, thanking God for the miracles that He performed for us. And finally, Shechianu, the um, blessing of thanking Hashem for bringing us, giving us life, that we can fulfill the mitzvah of lighting the Hanukkah menorah. If someone could not light on this Sunday night, so whenever they are lighting for the first time, they would say the Shechianu. After the first night, when we lit with three brachos, each night we only say two brachos. Both brachos are recited after we, uh, excuse me, both brachos are recited before we light the menorah. After you've lit the first new candle, Sunday night after the first candle, each night after the first one, you begin the saying of Haneros Halalu, Kodeshim, whereby we are asserting that these lights were not lit for our utilitarian purpose, for our benefit. They are lit for the purpose of exclusively the mitzvah. We say Alanisim both in the Shemona Esrei and the Bracha of Modim. Once we're saying thank you to Hashem, we continue and say thank you for Alanisim. And so too in the Birkas HaMazo, Nodelecha, we give thanks to you, Hashem, not only for that which is included there, namely Eretz Yisrael, Prismila, Torah, but we give thank you to Hashem for these miracles as well. All I'm going to say is that as we light the menorah and we say, that God performed miracles for our forefathers, stop and pause and ask yourself of the divine winks that have come your way most recently. Each of us, if we just think, receives these divine winks from Hashem, and therefore, by Yamim Hohem, and Bazman thank you, Hashem, for your constant divine providence that you provide for us. Wishing everybody Shabbat Shalom, wishing you a good Shabbos and a Freilacha, Lichtaka, meaningful Hanukkah.